It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. And we are so happy you're joining us today. I just have to start with a preface that um, it's spring in Georgia and the allergies are killing me right now. (laughs) I don't know about you, Tabitha, but... Yes, you know. we'll try not to cough and sneeze in the mics yeah. today. <laughs> if we sound a little bit uh, off, that's fine. <laughs> so um, we actually had something very exciting last Friday. Tabitha, do you want to share with our listeners? Sure. Um, so Ashley and I had our first speaking engagement as Purposeful Women of God. Yay. So that was very exciting. We had a church that welcomed us, and they were so generous and just Uh, So welcoming to us, and we are so thankful for that opportunity. So we just want to give them a little shout out today and thank them for all their generosity over the weekend. Yeah, and I have to say that since I've had my COVID issues, I never know what I can eat and I can't eat. And I always feel bad going places because I'm like, if they see me not eat, they're going to think I think (laughs) something's wrong with our food. They had a potato bar. So good. Wasn't it amazing? I've I've never even thought of that idea. Yeah, but it it was was great. It was so good. Yes. So thank you, ladies, all of you that may be listening. You know who you are. We really, we really enjoyed our time there. Um, so I think we're just going to go ahead and dive into the topic of the week, Tabitha. What yeah, you got I think for we, us this we week? have a lot kind of uh, that we're going to be talking about. But as Ashley and I were praying about where we wanted to land in God's word today, Ashley kind of brought up a topic of being saved versus being a Christian. And oftentimes we use those terms interchangeably. But what we mean by that is that you can be saved. You've repented. You've believed. Remember, we talked about all of that in our salvation episode. Um, and really, you're, you're having your fire insurance, right? You're not going to go to hell. You're going <laughs> to go to heaven good. when you die. But you've never been discipled. Or maybe you have been and you're choosing not to pursue holiness, as we talked about in our sanctification episode. Or maybe you once pursued living a Christian life, but the issues of life have just taken its toll on you. Maybe you've had a baby, or you've moved to a new city, or sometimes it's because you've suffered loss that you've just kind of backed up on pursuing that holy living that you once did, you know. So that's kind of where we're going to go today. But Ashley, why don't you begin by defining the word Christian? So the definition of a Christian, if you just do a simple Google search, is a born-again Christian or a member of a Christian church. But I love this definition from Focus on the Family. The term Christian, as we understand it, refers to anyone, man, woman, or child who trusts in Jesus as his or her Savior and Lord and one who strives to follow him in every aspect of life. It's being Christ-like, doing your best to live like Jesus. Exactly. And when we were talking about this topic, immediately my mind went to Kyle Eidelman's book, Not a Fan. And this book was very influential in my life when I consider if I was living my life as a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. 
And here's one excerpt from his book. He says, My concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. Mm -hmm. And every week, all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus but have no interest in truly following him. The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Ooh, that's harsh. That's I good, know. Though. I know. That's good. That's good. All right, Ashley, let's look at Acts eleven twenty six. All right, so when I was thinking about you know, Christians, I wanted to go back to Acts eleven twenty six because this is the first time that we will actually see the word Christian used in the Bible. It says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Notice this was a term that was given to the disciples, the ones that chose to give up everything to follow Jesus. And the term Christian only shows up two other times in the New Testament. You notice it along with Acts eleven twenty six and Acts twenty six twenty eight and First Peter four sixteen. Only three times Christians. Mentioned. Well, and as you were reading that, it made me think that, especially in today's world, that the term Christian sometimes comes with a negative connotation because a lot of people who are saved, who are followers of Christ, don't want to be associated with that because then you hear the terms hypocrite yes. and things like that. Yeah. But this goes back to the New Testament, and I I can't get past that. It's an honor if someone calls me a Christian. A Christian. That right. means I'm following Christ, and I'm acting like him. And I, I just have to bring up something here because it was something that kind of bothered me while we were on vacation. Um, I was We were eating at a restaurant, and we had a family sitting behind us, and they were debating about some Easter play they were going to go to. And the mom or whoever it was had mentioned to one of the kids that, well, it's going to be at a Christian church. And, you know, they're like, well, I don't even know what that is. You know, what does that even mean? And she's like, well, you believe in God, don't you? Well, then you're a Christian. Yeah. But it's so much oh, deeper man. than and that. And so I just wanted to say it, it bothered me. Like the whole time I was sitting there because I'm like, you're telling this child that, well, you believe in God, you're a Christian. Right. And that's just not the case, right? I mean, you have to be saved initially. Right. You have to believe in Jesus Christ, not just God. Believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And then you can start molding yourself into a Christian. And that's exactly why we're talking about that today, yes. because it's either one um, aspect of being called a Christian just because you believe in God, yeah. versus I don't want to be called a Christian, even though I am, because someone may associate it with me being a hypocrite. Right. So it's just this balance. And that's why we want to talk about it today, because we want to clarify some of the misconceptions with the word Christian. So you may think that this overlaps our episode on sanctification. And in a way, it kind of does. But we're going to look at three aspects of Jesus as we look into the story of Nicodemus in the book of John. So if you're following along with us in your Bible, we're going to start in John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
And before we continue on any further, we're going to pause and just look at who Nicodemus was. It says he was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. So who were the Pharisees? This They were a group of Jewish, religious, devout leaders to the law. And really, they were often reprimanded by Jesus because of their legalism. They followed the rule of law, but their hearts were of stone. But not only that, in John chapter 7, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, we see Nicodemus again, and it tells us that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin functioned as the lower courts under Roman authority. The Sanhedrin was the final court of appeals regarding Jewish law, and this is ultimately the group of people that condemned Jesus and sentenced him to death with the help of Pilate and the Roman Empire. Now that we know who Nicodemus is, Ashley, will you continue reading in John chapter 3, verse 2? The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Here we see Nicodemus recognizing that there is something remarkable about Jesus. He addresses Jesus as rabbi, a Jewish scholar or teacher, especially one who studies or teaches Jewish law, and he has seen the miracles that he has done. He even says, no one can do these things except God be with him. And I have to say, Tabitha, Uh some people may not like it. I don't really know, but it just reminds me of the chosen episode with Jesus and Nicodemus. That is one of the most touching oh, episodes I have ever seen. It's so powerful. Like I'm getting chill bumps just talking yeah. about it. So if y'all haven't seen it and you go back and you watch it or you you have seen it and you're kind of knowing yeah. what we're talking about right now, you can just kind of envision that scene in your mind. It's yeah. very powerful. And in this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, we also have to recognize that it specifically says that Nicodemus came to him at night. That's right. So Ashley, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. What do you think that that means for it to point that out to us? I mean, when I think about how Nicodemus was and his position in the Sanhedrin and how people were already starting to feel about this man named Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think that he was, he didn't want anybody else coming. He didn't want anybody else to know he was going and visiting right. with Jesus. So it was, he was being sneaky and trying to. he would face a lot of consequences oh, yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I also read some other uh, commentators who said that maybe he was just wanting um, Jesus's undivided attention because so many people were gathering around him. I mean, those are just some other ideas, but I really go back to the one of him not wanting anyone else to know yeah, being ashamed and he was I mean he wanted to know yeah. right I mean he, he, he has wanted questions. a meeting with this man yeah he knew in his heart that oh he's got to be more than just a prophet right and so as we go deeper into this conversation we're just going to kind of summarize what happens next but Jesus immediately says to Nicodemus verily verily so he's telling him listen up yes. this is important you need to hear this except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God and Nicodemus is confused by this term born mm-hmm. again I mean this is a new concept that yeah. they are just now hearing that's right and he says how can I be born again when I'm old and then Jesus gives him an illustration about the wind and he explains to him that at birth, We are born of water, but we must be born of the spirit. And then how we don't know where the wind comes from and neither do we know where it goes, but we know it's there. And the same is for everyone that is born of the spirit. We, 
you know, in our fleshly bodies, we're not going to be able to understand it all, but we have to have faith. We know it's there just like we know that the wind is there. Yeah. It's just like we can feel the wind whip across our face, whip through our hair. We can feel that the spirit's with us as well. Just like that. Exactly. Um, Remember we said that Nicodemus was a religious leader. So he would have been very knowledgeable of the Torah, which is the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So Jesus then references the story of Moses in Numbers 21. God told Moses to lift up the serpent on his staff and everyone that looked and believed would be saved from torment. And that's a little crazy story (laughs) back in the Old Testament. Yeah, could you imagine? Pick up that snake yeah Yeah. okay no um (laughs) and that's where the most popular verse in scripture is given john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yeah, I love that. I do too. Love I John love three sixteen, but yeah. I like John seventeen and, and so just on as just as much. Yeah. It's really good. Jesus continues on, and then this portion of the story just ends. At no point do we see Nicodemus making a decision of faith. And so we said we were going to look at three different aspects of Jesus. We looked at him as a great teacher. Nicodemus acknowledged him as a great teacher. But then when Jesus gives us John 3, 16, Jesus is then identified as the Savior of the world. And Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to life everlasting. Yeah, don't we see all over the world that people like Jesus as a teacher? Oh, yeah. He's a great teacher. He's got some great things to say. Love others as yourself. Judge not, lest ye be judged. You know, those are some great things we can get behind, and we will cheer him on. But the moment he says, follow me, and declares himself the only way to heaven, that's when we begin to waver on who he truly truly is. Like, give this up, give that up. Oh, Oh, and can't who are do we reminded? Yeah. And I think that's why so many people are afraid to give their life to Christ because they're afraid of what they'll have to give what up. What they'll have to give up. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Well, and I kind of have a little bit of a story that I wanted to share because back in 2019, Derek and I were invited to go on a mission trip to Uganda, Africa. But before we went, I had a little wake-up call on this topic. It was D-Now weekend, and some girls in our youth group and I, we went to the mall to witness to some people, kind of a, a challenge to share Jesus without fear. And so I went to a lady at the kiosk, and I was witnessing to her and sharing Jesus. And she was a Muslim lady. And she was telling me, oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the same Jesus that you believe in. He was a great teacher. And I'll be honest, it caught me off guard because I knew that she was Muslim, but I had no idea that I was going to get that response. And it really just kind of spoke to me and really the Lord rebuked me during that time because I did not continue the conversation any further because I, I think I was just shocked. Um, but I needed to take that conversation further to declare Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. He is the savior of the world. 
But through that encounter, the Lord kind of spoke to my heart that I needed to be prepared before I went to Africa because that was going to be a predominantly Muslim nation. And I needed to be able to debunk that thought that Jesus is just a great teacher. And so I started doing my research so that if I encountered that issue again, I was not going to turn away and walk away. And not that I agreed that he was just a teacher, but I didn't continue on. And so I felt terrible as a Christian because I I felt like I should have done a little bit better in witnessing to her, and I just didn't. But I wasn't going to make that mistake again. Well, I just think it's pretty amazing that God sent that your way before the trip. I mean, that's just nothing but God. And that was an encounter of God just to let me know I was going to experience a lot more of that in Africa, and I needed to be ready. He was preparing you for that trip. Yeah. Yeah. John 3.16 is where we learn that Jesus is the Savior of the world. But I was reminded of another passage of scripture that someone came to Jesus. In Matthew 19, we read about the rich young ruler. He's another that recognized that Jesus was a good teacher. He asked what he needed to do to have eternal life. But when Jesus said, go and sell all you have and give to the poor because your treasure is in heaven and come follow me. It says, but when the young man heard that saying, He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He liked Jesus as a teacher, but he wasn't willing to give up anything to follow him. There's not a cost to salvation, but there is a cost in following Jesus. And this young man was not willing to make that sacrifice. But we can also see story after story of the disciples when Jesus asked them to follow him. They dropped everything and truly followed Jesus, not just in word. Yeah. The cost is not ours for salvation. Jesus already paid that price. But when we truly follow after him, he asks us to give some things up sometimes. That's right. So not only was Jesus a good teacher, not only was he or is he the savior of the world, but I want to take it a step further today and say he wants you to declare him Lord of your life. And I say that, and Ashley and I shared our stories of salvation a few weeks ago, but there was another day in my life that I remember very vividly as well. I had been saved for many years. I had my fire insurance, as we talked about earlier. I had eternal life in heaven, but there was a day that Jesus spoke to my heart, and that day I declared Jesus Lord of my life. Not that I am perfect. I still fail him, but I recognized that I had some pretty incredible plans that I was making for myself, but nothing I had planned could be better than the life that Jesus could give me. And that reminded me of John 10, 10. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And can I declare to you all today that that has been so true in my own life? Derek and I both had really flourishing careers in the corporate world, And it was difficult to give that up, but the life that I now have is far greater serving Jesus than the life I had planned for myself. Ashley, do you have kind of a pivotal moment or maybe a time in your life that you remember that as well? Yeah, I mean, I do. And it's just like you said, it's, yeah, I was going to church, I was doing all the things, but there was a moment in my life that I said, okay, you know, I'm making Jesus first. Yeah. You know, it's not my husband, it's not my you know it's not my it's not even our kids it's not our kids as much as we love them yeah it's not our kids um I'm putting Jesus first in my life because 
without Jesus first in your life, you're not going to have a successful marriage. Right. You're not going to have a successful relationship with your kids. You're, I mean, it's just, you have to put Jesus first and foremost. And yeah, I do remember that point in my life where, yeah, I was saved, but I really chose to make him the first priority in right. my life. And when you do that, and when your whole household does that, you know, when right. my husband has done that, and we've made it a point to put Jesus in the middle of our family and not mm-hmm. just our individual lives, but put Jesus first right. in our family, it's amazing how it's just God yeah. works things out. Yeah. It is. Well, as we continue on into the book of John, we encounter Nicodemus two more times in Scripture, in John 7 and John 19. And as I was studying this out, I guess I didn't even realize that, that I thought that in John 3 it just ended. But in John seven forty five, we see Nicodemus again, and the officers and the Pharisees have come together, and they're condemning Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we see Nicodemus rebuke them with one question in verse 51. He says, "'Doth not our law judge any man?' before it hear him and know what he doeth, he's like, we need to hear from Jesus what's going on. And then they ridicule him by asking him if he's from Galilee too, because according to them, you know, nothing good could come out of Galilee as they perceived of Jesus. But the story then ends as everyone goes home. And then we see him again in John chapter 19, and this is after Jesus had died, that Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate in secret asking for the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus goes with him to bury the body. And some scholars believe that this was the pivotal moment in Nicodemus's life, that this is his public profession of faith, while others believe he never came to saving faith. And, and the truth is, we just don't know. Maybe he did, but maybe he didn't. That's really sad to think about. Yeah. Um, so as we talked about Nicodemus and we're talking about this concept of, okay, you're saved, but are you a Christian? What's yeah. the purpose in this for our lives? So as we've listened to the story of Nicodemus today, think about in your own life, how do you view Jesus? Do you just really like his teachings like so many other do? Or have you been saved and maybe you're just not living a Christian life? Or have you declared him Lord of your life? You know, we're all at different stages in our walk in faith. And there was a progression in Nicodemus's life that we saw um, just from the moment that he had questions to the moment that he defended Jesus. And then to the moment that he stepped out to help bury the body of Jesus, there was a progression in his life. Um, And maybe you've kind of seen that as well. You know, I thought he was a very educated man, very intelligent, but he still had questions about Jesus. And it's okay to take those questions to him. I thought of the verse that he gave us in 1 Chronicles 28, 9. And David is telling Solomon, if you seek him, He will be found. So if you have questions today about Jesus, is he more than a teacher? Is he savior of your life? Is he Lord of your life? Seek him and he will be found. That's right. And I think this really ties into our sanctification episode. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, learning about how to live a holy life and how to live, you know, go through the sanctification process and living a holy life. And then we come to being a Christian versus being saved. It's all about being sanctified. Are you really truly sanctifying your life and setting it apart for the purpose right. that God has intended it for? 
So as we end every episode, what is our challenge that we can take into this week? I'll be honest, as I read this story of Nicodemus, I was left feeling very sad because I want a definitive answer as to if he put his faith and trust in Jesus, and I just don't have that. And then I thought of so many others that as we have served in ministry and Derek has performed lots of funerals, and when we ask their loved ones about their standing with the Lord, no one really knows. Everyone wants to go back to a time that they think that they put their trust in Jesus, but they're just not really sure. So my challenge for you today is that you don't have to be like so many that we have known. Your loved ones don't have to have uncertainty in your eternal destination as we do about Nicodemus. So number one, if you love Jesus as teacher, it's time to make a decision to declare him your savior. And if you've been saved, it's time to let go of the reins of your life. Quit being just a fan of Jesus and follow him wholeheartedly, seeking holiness, sharing the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and living a life that is a life of abundance as he leads you as Lord. And I just say all of that because you're still here. You can give your loved ones that assurance of where you will go when your time here on this earth is over. That's right. You can let people know that you are a follower of Christ and you leave no doubt in their mind where you will spend eternity. Yeah. And I feel like while this topic was kind of tough because I said I've I've been left kind of sad, we have hope. And that's what makes this story so great for us now is that we can learn from some of the mistakes that Nicodemus made, from that rich young ruler that Mm -hmm. Ashley talked about. We can learn from that. We're still here so we can make that decision of faith now and to follow Christ wholeheartedly. That's right. And I think it's just fitting to close out the episode as we always do. Tabitha, will you just lead us in a word of prayer? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. We thank you for this time together with all of the ladies that are listening to Purposeful Women of God. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our desire, Lord. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't just look at you as a good teacher, but that we would recognize you as Savior of the world and that we would put you as Lord of our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. And we just thank you for giving your son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we can have an abundant life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Next week, we will be coming to you with a couple special guests. You don't want to miss that. Make sure you're following along wherever you listen to your podcast so you're notified as soon as the episode is released. Thank you for your love and support. And as always, remember, a sincere desire to become purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.